check, check. White check. Show presented by Empire on PulpMX.com, taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody. June 4th, 2015, the Fly Race and Moto 60 Show is live from Las Vegas. Three rounds down in the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships, nine to go. Six motos down, 18 to go. That's right. Getting uh, getting into the meat of the series right now, getting into the heart of the series. And uh, lots going on, lots to talk about. Muddy Creek in Tennessee this weekend, round four of the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships. And this is the Fly Race in Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. We'll take your calls at 702-586-7857, 702-586-PULP. Give us a call, whatever's on your mind, let us know. Giving away a set of fly racing casual wear. Maybe if we're nice, we'll give away two sets. We'll see. That's if we're nice, people. If we're nice. Hey, besides some of the most bitchinous gear and boots out there, uh, fly racing also uh, makes much more than that. Produce a full range of bike stands, loading ramps, tie downs, handlebars, grips, levers, and more. Visit flyracing.com to visit their full range of hard parts as well as mountain bike stuff. Those guys are hardcore into mountain bike stuff. Fly racing. Dot com for all those needs, and we thank those guys for making this show happen, man. I appreciate it. Dress up your Jeep, truck, or SUV with the hottest-looking, hardest-working accessories from NFAB. Proudly hand-built in Houston, Texas, USA. NFAB offers step systems, light-mounting solutions, bumpers, and more. To take your ride to the next level, to learn more about NFAB products, visit n-fab.com. Of course, great guys involved heavily in the sport with the uh, JGR guys and uh, much more. I've got a set of steps on my truck. I love them. n-fab.com. Fly Racing USA. All right, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the show will be Jason Thomas, Adam Cincerillo. We normally don't have riders on this show. Riders don't offer a lot all the time. But this kid always brings it. So we're, we're happy to have him on. And also, uh, I think Georgia Lindsay will make an appearance. Georgia Lindsay Albertson, the official pit reporter of the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship. She'll make a, re- uh, a report later on um, while she landed in, uh, in Tri-Cities and driving to uh, the track. Uh, like I said, I'm Steve Mathis with me, taking your calls, producing the show, handling things behind the scenes. He's got his new Oakley, so he's all happy. Uh, Tits Legendary. What's up, Steve? Congratulations, Tits, on the uh, 2015 450 Motocross Championship for Ryan Dungey. <laughs> Congratulations. I'd like to, uh, like to officially go ahead and get it out there Yeah, now. I'd like to officially uh, award it to you, uh, your favorite rider, Ryan Dungey. Uh-huh. Looks really, 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 really good to win this title. Uh, Kenny Roxon's 38 points back, but uh, I just can't see short of a catastrophe. Ryan Dungey finishing worse than second. Yeah, uh, you know, you never like to win it like this. Uh, you know, it's always good when everyone's healthy. Uh, but you know, we'll take it when we can get it, and we'll you know move on. Look forward to next step from there. By the way, did you want? Did you listen to his interview after the second moto, like on uh, the podium? No, for the show. No, I always just skip through interviews. To be right, honest, right. He 
you could you could visibly see how happy he was that this happened. Like like you know he did the now I never want to win like this. I hope everything's all right. But you could tell he's like oh the weight Dude. has been lifted. I mean he was him and everybody else was yeah, getting worked no, and was, yeah this is a million dollars on the line. Yeah you know for a title. Yeah he maybe just you know came a lot closer to getting a million dollars. And how would you react? Oh yeah. No, I, oh, I, yeah. oh, yeah. I'd hate to see the things you would do for a million dollars. So It would be shameless. <laughs> it would be shameless. Mm-hmm. Uh, 702-586-7857. Uh, call us anytime. And uh, like I said, we're going to give away a set of fly casual wear to, uh, to a lucky uh, caller on the show. Lots to talk about. Hey, something I, uh, I did some research on Muddy Creek last year. Six out of the top ten in the 250 class are not racing this weekend, including the winner, Cooper Webb. And five out of the top ten in the 450s from um, from um, Muddy Creek last year are not racing. So that's quite a bit of new spots open for guys. So we're definitely going to have a few guys uh, coming in and out. Um, it's going to be exciting to see. So what do you guys think? Uh, we were looking at some weather, uh, bad weather for this week, but it uh, looks like it's going to be okay. A little worried uh, during the week, but uh, I talked to guys who are at Press Day right now. They sent me a photo of the track from Press Day right now, and it looks in pristine condition. Apparently the rain fell everywhere but on the track is what the, what the word is. So, yeah, it, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. All right, let's get to our, our bank of phones right now. Raining Yellow, why are you always the first caller? You, you call so early, you get in right away. Well, when you're the official seven rider, Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of the it's part of the contract, actually. Oh, okay. All right. I did not I did not know that. Um, did you throw Did you throw it out to Roger how you thought he was being cheap on me? No, I got you a set of gear that's good enough. But I know I agree. I agree. But you know what? If you had been if you weren't fly racing, you would have been hooked up. You would have been dialed. I so. would have had a, uh, a kit for. Oh, you would have you would have had the the vented kit for the summer. You would have had uh, the Supercross kit for what they're wearing, you know, uh, indoors. You would have had everything, man. But no, instead you go with some some other company, and then you're going to pay the ultimate price. It, yeah, absolutely. I got two quick things. One, I hate to say it, but did we not all see it coming with Eli Tomac? I don't we didn't know. didn't want to see it, but I don't we know. Knew. I mean, did we know? I mean, the I, tra- I mean. The track is when you're the track was not killing guys by that much. It's like, dude, back it down a little. Dude, he's a racer, and who knows if he was backing it down a little or not? I mean, he, you know, it's it, it was it look, look. I get it. I know what you're saying because I heard it from other people about Eli Tomac throwing it away. But dude, this track was so gnarly. Guys were getting sketchy all over the place. Well, that he went down in the same spot that uh, that ruined my summer a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, and he went down in a spot that has gotten a lot of riders in the past, like. A ton of dudes. It gets rough and ruddy and downhill, and uh, you're going pretty fast. So, yeah, it's all all that. And then my last thing is, hard-working guy like Weston Pike finally got a ride. Well, now, another probably more likable, everyone can root for him, Alex Martin. If Alex Martin just has a fantastic summer, continuing in his upward trend, could he possibly land as a teammate with his brother next year? Well, maybe, but they're in totally different situations. Pike was a privateer. Pike was paying to go race. Alex Martin, while not probably getting very much money in salary, if anything at all, he doesn't pay to race. He doesn't pay his expenses. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's getting, he's getting, he's getting all his expenses covered and he's getting a bike and a mechanic and everything else. That is far cry from what Weston Pike got. No, that's true. I just, uh, the whole, you know, obviously him and his brother, such likable guys. Yeah. 
It's yeah. awesome to see him putting in such great rides. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, so Motocross to Nations is coming up, and why well, can't put this out on Twitter? Um, it's looking like, obviously, Eli Tomac's going to be out, and Dungey would be a great pick. The lights, the 250 guy would be a great pick. Would you put JS7 as the third guy? If he's up for it, absolutely. Okay, just checking. Yeah, hey, do you know, if, does he still plan on racing the last two? I don't think he is. I mean, I don't think he ever was. He told me in that podcast it would kind of be a waste of time. So Yeah, all right. Well, 7-7-7-7-7-7-7. Thanks for calling. Uh, welcome to the show, JT. How are you? What's going on? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I got that other guy calling in. Um, Gorilla Marketing. What is, yeah, I don't know that he can really blame Tomac for throwing it away when no. we all know where his loyalties lie. Like Stu was kind of the king of that at times. Yeah, well, and I I, I I might side with the people on my Twitter and and the seven guy, raining yellow there about Tomac throwing it away if it wasn't on the gnarliest part of the track that's claimed a ton of riders before. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm so, just a, I'm almost saying right. just raining yellow can't really. Yeah, maybe he can think that, but you can't really start throwing that around. Yeah, because when your guy's done that a bunch. Stew thrown things away, thrown races away. No, never. It's not the stew that I know. Yeah. Um, but both of them are ridiculously fast, and probably the fastest people on the planet at any given time, right? Respectively. So hey, um, look, Muddy Creek this weekend. Uh, you're not going. Um, as, as I said on the top of the show, six out of the top ten from last year in the 250s are not racing. Five out of the top ten in the 450s last year are not racing. Yeah, so that's why I'm not going. We're, we're going to get some turnover. Um, but what I want you to do is you've, you've raced Muddy Creek, not as a national, mm-hmm. but many, many times, as you've told us. What's it like? What's the track like? Take us around Muddy Creek. What's the obstacles and everything else and uphill well, start? you know, the overwhelming – comments you get from racers now is that how narrow it is mm-hmm. and as an amateur i didn't really notice it um you know a lot of those years were on were on mini bikes uh so you don't you definitely don't notice it then but when i've gone to the race since then and, and watched the race i could kind of see what they're talking about mm-hmm. uh just the lines kind of narrow all into one and it just started out as a smaller racetrack that never really saw nationals on it so I can see what they're saying. There's just not these huge, open, sweeping sections like some of the racetracks have. Um, you know, the dirt there, we'll see what happens this weekend with the weather. I think it'll be softer and spongier than normal. Hopefully it doesn't rain on race day. Uh, but it's typically it can be great. You know, if they're willing to disc it uh, during the day, it can be some of the best dirt in America. I firmly believe that. Right. The problem is they, they really haven't been disking it too much on race day. The, the two years previous that I've, I've spectated at, uh, they've kind of let, let it get rough. And it starts to harden up. A lot, you know, a lot of the sections, these they have these wall turns, and they get, I mean, rock hard to the point where, you know, that's you're down to the base. And uh, that turns really icy, which, which I did see uh, just watching the race. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's been a lot of criticism with this, this track, and it's, you know, it's going on its third year, but... I, I still believe it's it can be and is a really good racetrack. Uh, I just think they need to find the magic recipe for you know a national. Um, yeah, it uh, uphill start too tight corner. We see a lot of first turn crashes, don't we? Yeah, I don't think the first turn's necessarily perfect for you know th- this many guys and this going this fast and this you know highly skilled. Um, you know, if it's an amateur race and it's a bunch of guys and you know the leader to the the 
30th place guy is probably 25 yards because that's how right, right. you know bad some of the starters are. Mm-hmm. It's fine, but when you have guys that are all, you know, these are all elite level guys that all know how to get starts and if you put them at any pro race around America, they're going to they're going to get the whole shot. So you you combine 40 of those guys on the same start and they all go barreling into this, you know, probably a 120 degree left-hand turn. It's it right. gets a little bit ugly. Uh, so I could I could definitely see the complaints there. I'm not sure that they'll do anything about it, but you'll probably see people laying on the ground again this weekend. Um, Chad Reed, um, angry about this camera. Not sure if he's going to race. He said he would can't afford to show up if he can't honor this this deal he's got with the camera company. Do we have any updates on this? Is is he going to race this weekend? Uh, I don't think that he's made a hard decision yet. I don't okay. think he has an airplane ticket. To be honest with you, okay. Um, yeah. The last I heard from him was he said it wasn't looking like it. But I don't know. I know he's been practicing still, so right. I think he's in a big holding pattern. You know, he's, it's Thursday. he's not it's Thursday. He's not <laughs> confirmed to go, but he's still training and practicing like he right. would if he was going. So right, right. I, uh, I don't really think he knows. I reached out to him. He told me that he's an old broken-down wash-up racer and nobody wants to see him. And I said, yeah, that's why, you're, that's why your autograph line is the longest. Yeah, I would I would take that chance and run with it. I'd be like, yeah, I I, I can see that. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you gotta take you gotta take those shots. Well, you get them. I, I, you're absolutely right. I probably should have. Um, so yeah, we, we're talking a little bit of Muddy Creek here on the Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show presented by Infab. It's a little early, but not that early. Oh, seven zero two five eight six Pulp. If you want to call in, we're still looking to give away a set of a Fly Casual Wear. Uh, package. Uh, it's early, but it's not too early. Uh, why can't put the Disnations thing out in a little group text? Um, I guess you'd go Dunge, you'd go with the 250 winner, and you would go with who? To win the race? No. For the Team USA. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I would say I have uh, Dunge, as you said. <sighs> 250 Martin, you said, right? Well, I said the winner. You know. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I mean, it's going to be Martin or you know, Mugen win the title. Yep. So, yep. Um, then the four fifty. I I really think that it'll be Kennard. I, I do. Um, you know, we know Trey's had health problems uh, in the past years, but I think if if it's anything like last year, he came back and was really really good once he got up to speed. And I think mm-hmm. if he can get back with you know maybe three, four, five races left, uh, I think he'll he'll do enough. I think he'll get he'll show what he's got, mm-hmm. and as good as Baggett and Barsha and Pike and all these guys are, they're not Trey Kennard when Trey's 100. percent So yeah, uh, I I think if he's healthy when the decision is made, that that's your team right there. There's no real reason to think that he's going to come back at less than what he was last summer. I mean, right? Well, I like, think it'll take time to get there. Well, yeah, but it took him. You know, well, I guess he swapped suspension too. So who knows if that had a factor, but it took them whatever last summer to get going, but you know. Yeah, I just think my only fear with that is is that they make this decision so damn early. You know, the race is in the end of September yeah. and they try to come out with their decision and at Unadilla, which, you know, it's it's really far in advance, I feel like, for what they really need to right, decide right. on. Right. Um I know there's a lot of preparation and they yeah. need to ship bikes and do all this other stuff, but man, I really feel like it it but, paints us in a corner at times because uh, you you just don't see what everybody has to offer yet. You know, I, I just think they should they should try to delay it as long as possible to to get the best decision they can made. Right, right. Yeah, you guys, Team USA, are in quite a pickle. Aren't well, you? not as big as pickle as Canada. 
<laughs> I know, damn it. Um, all right, let's get those phone, phone lines before we talk about more Muddy Creek. Uh, Matt, you want to talk about Brock Tickle? Yeah, yeah. I was just, uh, I just would like to look at the like Brock and just see and notice his, his bad starts hinder him a lot, but mm-hmm. he definitely charges through the pack really well. And I think his fitness is really good. It kind of reminded me of uh, of Tim Ferry, how he used to be. Oh, I didn't know if uh, you wow. guys saw some of that. Like just easy you know, by a start, e- but he yeah. would always be charging until the end. And easy I, on I was comparison. Watching that one at Lakewood this last one, I was like, yeah, that that's pretty awesome. Like he he at least puts it in. It put, he's pushing until the end. Matt, easy on the comparisons to a legend like Tim Ferry. Easy yeah. on that. I, I, but I, I like them both. <laughs> but you know what? You're not far off. Um, I think Red Dog was probably a little faster than Brock in his prime, but I'm pretty biased. Problem with Brock... I think that's fair. I mean, Brock's never won a moto in 450 class. Yeah. They did have a good Bud's Creek. I mean, uh, Uh, he got second, but that was like to Dungey's mile ahead of him. Right, right. Well, Timmy was second in the championship. I mean, Brock had ways to go. He could still get there. Here's the thing with Brock. He killed it at Lakewood. He rode fantastic, and and you went 5-5 and came from the back, and you're absolutely right about his starts... They're not that that good. They hurt him. I just want to see some consistency out of the guy. Like, if he can back it up this weekend with another five five, that's great. And then next weekend, you know, five three, and another weekend three four. Like, but what problem with Brock is we've seen these great rides, and like literally the next weekend he'll go eleven nine, you know, and you won't even yeah. notice him. Um, yeah. Which he's just got to work on that consistency because every once in a while, every you know, even in Supercross, every three or four races you'd be like, wow, he's on it. He's Roden's riding so good, and the next weekend he just doesn't bring it together, you know? So I just want to see some consistency from him, really. But, I mean, yeah. he was good in Lakewood, Matt. He was really good. Yeah, he was. I, I enjoyed watching him. You know, even if we didn't get much TV time, I watched the times. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, he's moving up. Oh, yeah. Up. No, he was yeah. He was often the third or fourth fastest guy on the track after yeah. the two top guys, you know. So, yeah. um, all right, thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to the next call. Uh, Jason, what's going on? Hey, how you guys doing? Good, thanks for calling. Um, just a question, Blake Baggett. Um, I know he was good there last year on the 250. Um, I, I've he seems like he's had a good season at Supercross and everything in motocross. I was just wondering about that like, speed he showed on the 250, uh, you know, like during his championship year. Do you think you'll ever see that on the 450, or is that wrist injury ever? Because he had that kind of yeah. Like JT no, he was, was talking about with. Uh, Trey Kennard, like, I feel like Blake Baggett at one point was on that level. You know, he had that, like, could win motos, leave guys' speed. And uh, it seems like he's kind of getting back that way, but I was wondering if you guys thought that would ever return that, like, crazy speed he showed. What do you think, JT? I think he, you know, Baggett's interesting. Um, You know, at one point, the guy was the best 250 rider on the planet, in my opinion. Um, I th- I think he can get back to that level. I just think he's uh, you know he's dealt with so much with the wrist. Um, I mean, you I, could it's you... just hard. You lose that momentum, and and he was so good in like 2011 and 12. I'm just waiting to see that again because even as good as he's been, uh, like getting a podium last weekend, it's still not that that Blake. You know that that Blake was. Oh, Maybe, you I know, mean, some of the best 250 riding I've ever seen, um, you know, especially the second half of some of those motos, he was just next level. And you just don't see that from him anymore, and I don't know that we ever will. Um, but, you know, that you still know that somewhere deep inside him. It's just um, 
to get to that point again, I don't know what it takes. And obviously, I could never could ever achieve anything like that. Uh, but you know, you never say never with a guy like that. It's just you know, if he could ever get to that level again, man, he would. Uh, it'd be something to see. Yeah, you can make a case he's never been the same guy after that wrist. You know, a uh, couple of wrist problems. Um, but hey, yeah, third overall this weekend, and uh, if he can yeah, get... but and that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. As good as that was, the third overall, yeah, yeah. he was really nowhere near the leaders. No. You know, that that's the difference is he's just not that guy anymore. As good as he is, he's just not that guy. Yep. All right, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Justin, what's going on? You got a question about fly gear? Yeah, I was going to ask uh, Jason there without getting into, like, a big gear war and, and bashing. But, um, <laughs> you know, when you look at a lot of the brands, uh, a lot of them are close when it comes to the retail price point. And then I know on the higher-end stuff, which fly and, and everybody has a high-end um, segment, but, you know, when you get into guys like Seven and, and TLD and there may be a, a couple others out there, uh, I was just wondering if Jason could tell us, like, what may be their um, – what's in their design that somebody else may not be putting into their product that gives them that extra retail price point? Is it marketing? Is it dollars they have to pay their riders? Um, maybe I think all the gear in the high end stuff is is pretty much on the same level, but I just wondered if he had a knew some reasoning behind that. What do you think, JT? Yeah, and, and to start it off, I would never bash anyone else's product. There's just no way I would ever do that. Um, you know, my job is to promote our stuff, not ever put anybody else's stuff down. Uh, but kind of our philosophy is, you know, we we want to offer you the best product that you can possibly get at that price point. So uh, there are a lot of products that are priced pretty far above us, uh, and that's fine. You know, they're, um, I'm sure they're, they have their reasons for doing that, whether it's they're trying to get more margin or they're have, putting money into different areas or, or whatever. Um, but our philosophy has always been to try to just give you more bang for your buck. So if you see our product and another product uh, that are basically, you know, comparable as far as premium product or, or even a mid-level uh, I would almost guarantee every time that we're going to give you more performance at that same price point. Uh, th- that's just basically that's what we've based our whole philosophy around. Uh, we just don't have the horsepower as far as you know history and and you know we're gaining notoriety, but in past years you know we're we're the newest to this game. Uh, when you t- start talking about the Thor and Fox and Answer even uh, people, you know they've been around a lot longer than we have. So we always yep. felt like we have to outperform. Um, and just give you more features and benefits if we're going to try to go head to head in a price point. So um, I would I would say that in every aspect, from our F2 helmet to our sector boot now to our Evolution pant, uh, which we're getting ready to launch our 2016 stuff that has some some revolutionary uh, things going on with that. So um, awesome. it's pretty constant, and and we price our products accordingly. And any time a product ever comes out, that's our kind of our first thought in mind is. If we take this product head-to-head, price point-wise, versus what's out there, can we beat it? And if, if the answer is no, then we don't release it. So that's just kind of how we do it. Right. That's awesome. Uh, well, you guys are doing a good job. Thank I, you. I travel to a lot of dealerships, and I definitely see it more than pretty much any other brand out there. So, uh, Dude, it's coming it on. Good. It's come on. It's come a long way from the DV and Brandon Justin days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. I was wearing it then, too. I know all about it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for the call. Hope that yeah, helps out. Guys. All right. Dave, what's going on? Dave, you there? Hello? Hi, Dave. Hello? Hi, Dave. Can you hear me? Yeah. 
This is Neil. It's not Dave. Oh, what's up, Neil? How are you? Hey, good. How are you guys? Good. Um, my question was about the track. Does this track favor Euros because it's so tight? And we've seen Marvin Muskin go uh, choo-choo for an overall there last year, and this is going to be a slippery weekend. You guys don't think that's going to make any more of a difference for Kenny to maybe beat Ryan um, or give him more of an advantage? I don't think so. We did see Porcel went 3-4 last year. Marvin went 5-5. Five, five. Um, I don't think so. JT, do you think this track favors those dudes at all? I don't think so because it's so sticky. I feel like the, the Euro tracks, there's, there's two basic styles. There's rock hard and there's sand. Yeah. Every Euro track I've ever been to, whether it's a Grand Prix to watch or whether it's a, a practice track or it's a local race that I've done over there, those are the two options you have every time. They don't, they don't ever have no, this disked up, deep, ruddy type track like a Muddy Creek with kind of sawdust and all that stuff. They just don't do it that way. They don't prepare tracks that way. Um, so I don't necessarily think so because this is, it's more of an American style of track preparation. All right. Thanks, Neil. Uh, okay. I just have one other question. Sure. Do you think they're going to tone down the track, uh, tone down the tracks, like leaving them rough so much after Tomac's crash? Uh, I, you, yeah, I, I think uh, they're going to leave it the same. Nah, I think, I think they leave it the same. What do you think, JT? I know there's been some talk about, you know. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's uh, a conscious effort by them to try to make the tracks rougher. And I don't think unless, you know, they, they get those crazy weather conditions like we did in Colorado, I don't think it would get that rough anyway. Uh, I just think that was uh, kind of a perfect storm as far as the way the dirt ended up. Uh, because I've raced Colorado a bunch of times, and it's never been anywhere near that rough, and I don't think they touched it all day. So um, I think they'll just do the same thing, you know, the same way they always do things, and people will complain and people will like it, and you yeah. know, we'll move on to Mount Morris the next weekend. <laughs> right. Thanks, Neil. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Dave, what's going on? Thanks for calling a fly race in Moto 60 show. Hey, this is uh, Dave calling back. I was just uh... – how soon do you think it's going to be before we see Christian Craig on that 450? I don't think we'll see him at all. Um, I don't think we'll see him at all. Um, he'll he'll keep riding for filling in for Bogle, and I think when Bogle comes back, if there's another rider injured, he'll be there. Maybe they put another bike on the track. I don't think he goes to the 450. You don't think he's going to take put Eli since he's out? No, I don't think so. I think they've let go of that program a little bit. It's more under the factory Honda tent. It's a factory yeah. Honda bike, 100%. Um, so yeah, I think that that would be more Honda's call, and I don't think Honda would uh, would want to do it for for a guy like Christian. Maybe I could be wrong. What do you think, JT? Well, I think you know part of this will depend on Trey's timeline. Um, if he's going to be you know months more, which I don't have the answer to, I think they would start considering you know or looking at what options are on the table. Uh, I can tell you though, with Christian coming out and doing so well in the 250 class, that's going to de- want to deter them from doing it because mm-hmm. you know they're going to want to have christian doing well on the bike he's already on you know him coming out and setting the fastest time in practice and then running top five he's not going to do that on the 450 in my opinion so if he's able to do that on the 250 then by all means keep him there uh yeah. the question then becomes what options do they have other than that and is it really worth it because they have a you know 1a or 1b however you want to look at trey canard coming back here I, w- I would say probably within the next month or so. Great. Thanks, man. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate right. it. Uh, Daniel, what's up? How are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. What's happening? Uh, I just wanted to uh, call and give you uh, thanks. I got my fly gear from last week's show. Sweet. 
Uh, I just wanted to say thanks for all you guys do at the show, and thanks to Fly for taking care of all of us who listen. Yeah, the real key is now is when you're done with that gear, are you going to buy Fly again? That's where we absolutely, perfect. Absolutely, I have two sets of Fly, and I will be sticking with the Fly gear now. Great, then it was awesome. Thank you for uh, for listening. Yeah, thanks for uh, for Fly for making this show happen because it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Fly. So, right on. Thanks, thanks, guys. Have a great show. Thank you. All right, nice to get calls like that, JT, instead of calls of people yelling at you. Um. All right, yeah, hey, it Scott, doesn't happen too often. No, I know. Scott, what's going on? Thanks for calling the Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Much. Uh, well, I had a question. The riders pay their entry fee to go racing, right? Yes. In MX Sports and Feld events? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't understand why if MX Sports has a sponsorship with GoPro that a rider paying to go to the event could be told what they can use and not use. Uh, we can pretty much we pretty much get told everything we can and can't do across the board, <laughs> in all aspects. So, unfortunately, socialism up there, huh? Capitalism. Well, it's just uh, you know MX Sports and Feld have said to, and actually it's more NBC and, and on the MX Sports side. It's not it's not really MX Sports. It was NBC that who MX Sports went into partner with. They agreed. Listen, when GoPro came in with these contracts, there were no other cameras, and no one had the foresight to think about other cameras coming in. And so when GoPro, in a very shrewd move, GoPro saying, oh, we're going to give you all this money. We want all the rights from the footage for the for the helmet cameras. And they said, okay. And you can't run any other camera on top of your head because, you know, that's we own that space. And, they, and all the promoters went, okay. No one really thought about the fact that there might be other competing co- companies. I would look for that rule to be changed the next time GoPro's contract is up. But for now, everyone agreed to those terms. Feld, MX Sports, NBC, they all agreed to GoPro's terms, and that's uh, pretty, like I said, pretty shrewd on GoPro's part. So, all right, Scott. No problem. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Let's go to Trevor. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Good. It's uh, from Winnipeg. Oh, hey, what's up, Greaves? I've got got something to, uh, regards to this camera gate that's happening, I just got an, an option for MX Sports. I was listening to you guys. Yep. Talk about it uh, last couple of show. Anyways, um, what if they went to something, and this is something down in the future, what if they went to something like they do in, of course, the NHL, where the the gear companies and the uh, and the suppliers to the players, um, they don't, they have to pay a licensing fee for the, let's say, riders or, in my case, hockey players, to wear their gear. So for Bauer and, and, uh, and CCM and Reebok, no player can advertise their gear unless they pay a licensing fee, unless the company pays a licensing fee to to the NHL. Uh, the so why, why don't why don't you, do you think that the MX Sports could could adopt something like that, where you know you can run any camera you want, but the company, the camera company, has to supply, uh, has to pay a licensing fee? Yeah, they would. The promoters would love that. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. I mean, it's a different deal. It's it's a team sport versus an independent contractor. You know, these riders are independent contractors. And maybe it goes down to something like that. It also, um, if the like the last caller said, the riders are paying entry fees, so you're paying to enter. So there could be different rules about you know, hey, listen, I'm paying to be here, type deal. So I mean, it could go that way down the road. I, I again, it could get ugly if it did that. But um, I just, I feel, yeah. yeah, I just feel that they would, that the MX Sports would get their money, their licensing money, and then possibly teams would probably get their money as well, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Could it could happen something like that? Yeah. Thanks, Greaves. Something to think about. Yep. All right. See ya. 
Hobo Nick, you want to ask about fly racing? Yeah, what's going on? Um, question for mainly JT here. Uh, just on a business standpoint, uh, I mean, fly racing from, you know, ten, five or ten years ago even has just made a huge, uh, you know, push. And I deliver for uh, Western Power Sports, and I go to a lot of dealerships, and it's just the racks are just filled with fly stuff now. So my question was, uh, you know, as a business, they've obviously made some pretty good moves here in the, in the you know, recent past. And, yep. um, you know, what, what, what exactly do you know that they have done? Have they invested in personnel? Uh, have they invested in just better quality gear? From what I hear, all the gear, uh, you know, it's it's very durable. Last long, the dealers are really happy with it, and, and it's if you go to a dealership nowadays, it's it's almost like the marquee thing. You don't need, you don't really see the other companies as much as fly now. So I was just wondering, as a you know, as a business person myself, uh, I'm I'm interested to see like what what did they invest in? What did they do? Let me let me ask this. Let me answer this if I can. JT, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. You can you can answer too. But from an outsider's point of view, Hobo Nick, who does not work for those guys, um, I think it's everything you talked about. I think their gear quality from the days of Villamin have come, you know, leaps and bounds from where it was. I think their design, the the look of the gear has come, you know, leaps and bounds from where it was. They've also they've they've turned it cool a little bit. You know what I mean? They've they've uh, got some colors and teams and riders now that make it look cool. And 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 I think. All of that together, and then of course, you know, JT's higher. Oh my God! No, I'm just kidding about that. But, but you know what I mean. I think it's all of that. JT, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a lot to it. I think uh, you know this this gear game for a lot of companies is um, a big battle behind the scenes on a distributor level too, uh, because all the parts that are bought by dealers are coming from somewhere. You know, Fox is kind of the odd man out. Uh, maybe Troy on a on a lesser level, but. Um, you know, these, the parts managers are picking up a book to buy tires or spark plugs or oil or whatever. Uh, so the, the gear goes right along with that because, you know, we're selling Fly, Parts Limited selling Thor, uh, Tucker Rocky selling Answer and MSR. So you get, they get a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, incentives uh, as well to, do, to buy gear if they're already buying products, you know, for the rest of their store. So part of it is that Western has grown a ton, which has made Fly's life a lot easier. Um, you know, they can basically buy all of the products they need from Western, and then obviously the fly thing goes right hand-in-hand hand with that. Uh, that has also allowed us to invest more money into fly, whether it's the designers. Um, you know, we can, we can buy better materials now. Uh, and the sales have, you know, uh, that, that kind of turns into the sales side has allowed us to get into the factories we want to use. Uh, because before, our, our minimums were so, so low, and, and you know, our volume was so low that many of the factories we wanted to work with basically told us no. You know, they're, you, they're just basically told us, you're not doing enough business, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Well, now they kind of can't do that. You know, there's, there's too much business to turn away. So we're in the factories we want to be with. Um, you know, a lot of all the products are kind of coming out of the same factories now as far as the elite-level brands. So um, I think it all kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, we've gotten solid riders because we have the, the money to go out and get those guys. And, you know, one thing leads into another, you know, I, I don't think it was just one thing. I think all of these things kind of roll into each other and allow you to do the next thing. You know, you, you have this list of where we need to be, but you kind of have to meet these uh, goals to allow you to get to that next goal. You know, if, if sales aren't high enough, then we can't 
go hire the rider we want to. And if uh, our volume in sales isn't high enough, then we can't get into the factory that we need to to make a better product, which is going to in turn sell more. So it's this big snowball that is finally kind of rolling downhill here after, you know, 15 or 20 years of, of really pushing to make this thing go. There you go. Thanks, Hobo. All right, thank you guys. Well said. JT, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Um, tell, uh, tell Michael I said hello. I will do that for sure. Talk to you. All right. See you. Michael Cincerello, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, my man. Always uh, a pleasure. Yeah, I know, I know. You're very excited. Adam Cincerello, Monster Energy Pro Circuit Rider on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Flyracing.com and n-fab.com, great guys, uh, and we, uh, we appreciate um, them bring, being able to bring us uh, Adam Cincerello. Um, Adam, uh, Muddy Creek, we talked a little bit on text about this. I didn't understand this, but I guess, you know, growing up, you would have spent a lot of time at this place. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly a decent amount. Uh, I think three or four times I had. It's actually the first place I qualified for Loretta that back on the 50, uh, back in the day. But, uh, yeah, I had a lot of regionals mm-hmm. there, only on mini bikes. I never rode a big bike there, but, I, you know, I put it, you know, a decent amount of laps right. there. Not, uh, not as many as Mike Brown. Right, <laughs> or Zach Osborne. Right. Uh, do you like it? Talk about it a little yeah, bit. Do you I, like the track? Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think I think they bring in a lot of mulch and, and stuff like that. And from what I can see from Racer X's videos from mm-hmm. Press Day, it looks the you know, it kinda looks the same. But once that kinda they blend that together with the with the tiller and stuff, I think uh the dirt allows for the moisture to kinda stay in it, uh, throughout the day so it doesn't ever get Obviously, we saw a couple of years ago with, uh, you know, Villapoto going down because of the, you know, the dust. But mm-hmm. for the most part, um, it stays pretty moist throughout the day. So it's one of the, I think, one of the better tracks, you know, to race on just because it stays, you know, pretty good all day. 702-586-7857. You got a question for Adam Cincerillo uh, on the Fly Race and Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. Uh, this isn't a question for you, Adam, but Gump, what's going on? How are you? What's good? How you doing, Nathan? Good. Thanks for calling the show. What's up? Hey, question for you. Who had uh who was less impressive? Alessi in Europe or Kiefer in Canada? Uh definitely Alessi in Europe. I mean Kiefer's retired. Now Kiefer did say he was hoping to go five to seven and he went nineteen twenty two. Um yeah. but Alessi not getting top ten to me is a huge surprise. I mean, come on. Mike's a world class rider. He's a terrific uh rider, he's in shape, he tries hard. To go to the GPs and not even sniff the top ten, that's I know. really surprising and not good for for the eight hundred. So, where do, where do you put him when he comes back to the U.S.? I don't know anymore. I don't even know everything. I be- oh my gosh, I don't know anymore. I, everything I believed in is is now being questioned. Um, right. I mean, God, top ten now? Could Mike Alessi make the top ten, Adam? I mean, uh, yeah, no, he'll definitely be five to ten. What happened in the GPs? I don't know, man. What happened in Dakotas a couple years ago? I don't, yeah. I mean, people go over there and they don't have any, like, prep time. I feel right. like it always is. I feel like it always goes bad. Right. Yeah, yeah that's good. Out of ten times. Hey, Gump, you want to win a fly racing casual wear pack? I would love to. I like that question because it was focused on Kiefer and his terrible Canadian results. So right. uh, stay on the line and Tits will get your thanks. information. All right. Thanks, Gump. Uh, yeah, valid, valid question here. Here, Adam, here's a call for you. Uh, Dustin, what's going on? Hey, uh, Adam, Mike, had a quick question. I know you've been a, a Cowie guy for so long and, and been the up-and-coming superstar, but I just kind of wondered when you and your family had a meeting with Kawasaki or maybe even Mitch at Pro Circuit 
you know, laying out the next six to ten years of your life saying you're going to be on tally for this long and you're going to be racing nationals. And, I mean, when as a young phenom, do you have those kind of big, serious conversations with your family and, and your future bosses? Well, originally, I actually was riding. I wasn't riding for Pro Circuit when I first started riding for uh, – for Kawasaki, I think as soon as I got on a 65, as soon as I was able to ride a Kawasaki, I, um, you know, I signed with them. I think I was seven years old, but I don't think really, <laughs> you know, when they sign you at first, they just want to see, you know, you see how you're going to do. And, you know, obviously I was first just getting on a 65 and my results actually weren't that good um, at first. But once I got an 85, I started winning a lot. And then I think, I think, oh, oh, nine was my first year with Mitch. And mm-hmm. then that, that year I signed my pro contract, 2011, I think it was 14, and we had a big sit down at, at Loretta's before I signed my, you know, before I signed my contract to kind of lay out what I was going to do, and uh, there was certainly a lot of trips to, you know, Kawasaki and Pro Circuit to, you know, we had it all drawn out on a, you know, a big whiteboard. On a napkin? Room and, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy for me being, being that young and laying it all out, and the tough thing for me at that point was, I didn't know when I was going to grow, you know, everybody's making fun of me for being too big now, but you know, a couple of years ago, I wasn't, I was scared. I wasn't going to be able to get on a big bike because, you know, I hadn't even hit puberty yet. So I was getting a lot of, getting a lot of crap for staying on super mini too long, but I, you know, I physically just couldn't get on a big bike yet. So that that was the only thing that scared me, but, uh, yeah, you, I'd say 2011. You re-upped with Cowie recently. Did you tell me that? Or did I hear that? No, I still have my yeah, I still have my deal that goes through uh next year. Oh, okay. All right. So it was always yeah. that big contract back when you were a kid that still goes yes. that's still on it. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, how about a four fifty? Have you been out on a track with one of those much lately? No, no, I haven't to be honest with you. I don't I mean, I've ridden one before, actually, when I was still riding eighty, I took uh R V for a spin and hit this big table. I still have a video of it. Hit this big table that I couldn't do on my Super Mini a long time ago, but I, I honestly think that's the last time I've been on one. All right. Thanks wow. for the call, man. Thanks, Dustin. Yep. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Uh, Adam, something I've been thinking about, uh, we're, we're, we're six rounds, or six motos in. Um, how do you, how hard is it? Now, you, you've done 8 million laps at, uh, at Glen Helen, but never at the National. Hangtown, you've probably raced at some point, never for the National. This Lakewood, another thing. Whenever we hear uh, Rattray, Roxon, even Marvin, his first year, they come over. You know, it's basically five minutes of free practice, and then it is balls out to get a qualifying time. And these guys have been riding these tracks for years. So the Euros have told me they had trouble getting used to the track in a short time. And, I mean, like I said, you've ridden some of these tracks, but not much. How hard is the, is the transition for you right now with sort of new tracks? Or do you I wish you had more time? I mean, time? it's difficult, and I think it's weird, too, because I don't think a lot of people realize it's my, you know, my first time, because, you know, last year I didn't race, and the first year I kind of had that, you know, I had that sickness that kept me out for a while, but, I, like, well, it's one of the reasons why I like Supercross, is, you know, it's different every weekend, and you mm-hmm. have to learn it, and that's always been my strong point, learning the track before anybody else, and um, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me too much, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, and um, you know, as long as there's good dirt and it's not super hard, I'm normally pretty comfortable right away, but it's difficult. You know, if you start, if you start trying to just pin it right away and you don't take time to connect the track and you're too worried about being fastest in practice, mm-hmm. it can, it can start to get away from you. But, uh, I think as long as you just keep your, 
you know, your head on straight and realize that you have to, mm-hmm. you know, race the track fast, not just practice it fast. You can, uh, you know, you can get it dialed pretty easy. For the record, how's the shoulder? Any issues? Any problems? The re- no, totally no rebuilt? issues. Yep. No issues. Yep. Per- I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I saw a bunch of tweets and stuff after I crashed at Hangtown, like, oh, is the shoulder okay? And, yeah. No, it's my shoulder isn't like that. You know, it's not. It wasn't a thing where it was like I was never popping it out and then just popping it back in. Yeah. You know, in practice, like that's never been me. You know, every time I, pretty much every time I popped it out, I've torn something. Mm-hmm. And I think there was one time to where it was fine, and I just had to take a little time off. But you know, I've had surgery, and basically the last time what we found out with my, you know, my new my new doctor is that my, you know, my bone basically that held the socket in the front it was too short mm-hmm. like it wasn't developed all the way so that's what you know that was my problem so now right. we have basically he broke a bone off in another area and yeah. put it you know around the front of my socket so you know it can't come out it would hit the bone it would like break my humerus in my arm before <laughs> right you know before it uh did that so no i mean shoulder's not even sore to be honest with you it's uh in uh yeah it's strong. In 2018, you're going to go down in the whoops in, in Anaheim, and people are going to be like, how's your shoulder? How's your shoulder? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Um, wh- like six motos in, how do you give yourself a grade? We've seen some greatness. We've seen some goodness. It's not even a word. We've seen some okayness. Give yourself a grade after six motos. Uh, I mean, I think, what did I go, eighth overall, tenth overall, third overall? I mean, it's not. I'm kind of disappointed with my first two races just because I, I wouldn't be disappointed if that's what I had. But mm-hmm. It was just mistakes that, you know, put me farther back. But, yep. um, I mean, I was I was fine with my riding at Hangtown. At, at Glen Helen, I rode like crap. But, I, you know, I kind of always ride like crap at Glen Helen. But mm-hmm. still, no excuse. I was bummed on that one. Um, yeah, in Colorado, it, again, it wasn't too bad. But still, even when I watch, you know, even when I watch the race, um, you know, even, you know, you watch Hangtown, the first moto, like, that's me. Right. You know, that's not, you know, what, even watching myself at Colorado, yeah, I got on the podium, whatever, top five, but it's not, it's not really me, you know, I'm it's still trying to find my, you know, my, kind of my racing groove, I guess you could say, and I think this weekend was more of a, okay, chill out, let's get a solid result right. type weekend, you know, and I think I can, you know, certainly build off that, um, you know, I think it's it's just weird, man. Even going to the gate and, and you know being next to somebody and starting with that many guys, it's just you know your mind has to get back into it. And um, you know, it's not it's not bad by any means so far. I think I give myself maybe a I give myself a B, but yeah. um, I think I can you know, I think I can run up front. Like you know, people say, and it's true, obviously. Jeremy and Marvin, they're you know they're really far ahead, and and that's true, but. You know, they make their moves. If they're not at the front, they make their moves in the first two laps and then normally one and two right away, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they just, you know, blitz the field from there. And for me, if I get that decent start and I can kind of latch on or even, you know, get a whole shot and be up there, right. like, I, I like that situation. You know, I like the pressure from behind, like that kind of stuff. So that's something I've been, you know, working a lot on starts, um, you know, just getting everything dialed there. Like I said, it's been a while since I've been off the gate. So, uh, right. yeah, I think if I can get some starts, I think I can win some motos, uh, maybe some some overalls here soon. But, you know, as of right now, that's my goal, just to try to, you know, win a moto mm-hmm. and, you know, be on the podium and, um, you know, not make any mistakes, have a solid, you know, consistent season. But 
Uh, yeah. It's going good so far. Not too bad. Tits, what would you grade him? Who? Adam. You're not listening to the show? Uh, no. Oh, thank you. I, I like to wait until later, so it's like a surprise. Um, I would give Adam a solid B. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd give him yep. a B, too. Yeah, yep. I, I, I think that uh, he lit the world on fire the first half of the moto at the first race. Went downhill, came back, but the, the podium overall was definitely solid. Okay. All right. He's Tits is really giddy right now because Dungey and his, you know, Dungey's his guy and... You know, yeah. oh, so he's, yeah. he's very giddy right now. It's very exciting, very exciting times for Mister Legendary. Um, yeah, it's been it's been. Uh, I'd say I'd say that's that's a good good grade B. Yeah. Um, during the week, you've been riding with Marvin. I, um, I, I imagine what gives you a little bit of hope. What you talk about getting a start and hanging with those guys is because I would guess you're probably the same speed as Marvin, right? During the week. I mean, I mean to be honest with you, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. Marvin. All right, never mind that. Um, but. It, it, it's not like something. I think we're on a little bit different equipment out here too. It's it's kind okay. of hard to compare, but right. it's it, you know that speed for me, that intensity. Like when I can you know clear my mind and be you know up at the front, and even Colorado, like you know you start in the back and you're trying to you're trying to pass people in all these different lines that are. It's seriously, it's like a I don't know. The track was so weird. It's like you're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't even you know. I think. I'm not scared to go that speed. I know I can. Mm-hmm. It's just whether when I whenever I put it together, you know, which is, you know, hopefully this weekend, next weekend, you know, the weekend after that. We got what do we have? Nine more. <laughs> we got a lot more races. Yeah, we got we got eighteen yeah, more motos. So. so no, it's good though. Ryan with Marvin, Ryan and Jason. It's, yeah, I think I said this in an interview this weekend, but it's just, it's really hard not to be the slowest guy at the track, and you never want to be the slowest guy. Right, so, right. Um, yeah, I mean it's. The speed's right in front of me every day, and I, I know I can go that fast. You know, and I've always been a, a better racer anyway, so it's not like I'm not lacking anything on the confidence side of it. So hopefully we can, uh, you know, put her up front soon. Dude, is it just me, um, or is RV, our buddy RV, just dropped off the map? Just gone. Just Yeah, I don't know where he is. I heard he was in Washington for a minute. <laughs> no text replies. Don't know if he's going oh, back I to Europe. To that guy. I mean, it's, it's maybe it's been a year. Really, dude? What's his deal, man? He's really bumming I don't know, me out. Man. Yeah, he's really taking I, on the world. Taking I'm, on the world. Solo. I'm sure if he listens to the Racer X show, I went into, I gave him a speech about how I'm not disappointed in his GP experience. He's still a hero to me. Oh, um, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he, he just waits intently <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm sure he does too. Uh, all right, Monster Energy Pro Circuit, Adam Cincerillo. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It was yes, late. It was no late. Worries, thanks. Uh, have fun at uh, at Muddy Creek. I'm sure I'll see you there this weekend. All right. Don't uh, don't bring your um your, your mountain bike kit. Keep cool. Yeah, I'll do that for sure. Absolutely. All right. All right. See Later, ya. Steve. See ya. Adam Cincerillo, everybody. Moving to the next guest. Uh, she is the pit reporter for the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships. She's married to Jimmy Albertson. And uh, we've got her on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Georgia Lindsay, what's up? Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you doing? Oh, good, good. We just had Adam Cincerillo on, JT on. So lots of, lots of muddy creeks. Gosh, creep I missed knowledge. it all. You did. Uh, 702-586-7857. You got a question for Georgia Albertson Lindsay, hyphen Lindsay, right? No? Whatever your name is, no hyphen. No hyphen, okay. Um, uh, I don't know who I am. Just go, <laughs> just go by your stage name. Um, just, yeah. Look, we're six motos into this thing. Um, we saw Eli Tomac dominating. Now he's obviously out for the year, which is a huge bummer. 
What do, yeah. you, what do you think, and listen, try not to let your European bias show through here, but <laughs> how's this going to shape up? Like, like Dungy's, I think Dungy's the, the last guy I want to have to be 40 points down to. You know, uh, he's mm-hmm. so consistent, he's so fast. But do we see, do you see anybody challenging Dungy or Roxon the rest of the way? Or do you just see, like, Roxon winning, Dungy second, reverse time, you know, whatever? Do you see anything different? Ooh, well, obviously... Roxon and Dungey, it's going to be, I think once Ken gets stronger, he's going to be feisty. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be up there for sure, and I think Roxon's going to dominate a lot. Um, but I think it's going to go to and from with him and Ryan. Um, and I think you're just going to have like, I think third, fourth, fifth mm-hmm. are going to be the same kind of group or people. You know, I think Bosch is going to be up there, like we were saying before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there's going to be any crazy surprises, honestly. Um, you know, I was having a conversation the other night with Jimmy, and we were talking about Ryan Dungey and his consistency and how I can't remember what year it was, whether it was 09 or 08. Uh, you'd know better. But when he broke his collarbone, and that was the last time he was hurt, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. It's just unbelievable at how, you know, how that guy is just so consistent and strong with, yeah. with how he races. And, um there's not. I don't think there's any other rider that you could say. And even the collar. Would. And even the collarbone. He came back real fast. He got a plate. He came back within like three or four weeks. And then, what year was that? I think it was twelve. And he immediately won the the Supercross in Salt Lake. I think right when he come back when Davy when Davy Millsaps had a big lead. So like. Oh, okay, okay. Like okay, he missed yeah. three or four weeks, and then he comes back, and he just immediately at the race winning level that he's always at. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's not nice to talk about injuries, but to just think that. You know, that guy is so, and he must be physically and everything strong to avoid, you know, mm-hmm. all these injuries and stuff. I just think it's, that's pretty awesome. We've I seen, wouldn't say that to his face because I wouldn't want to scare him, but. <laughs> we've seen. Uh, he sure isn't listening. No, nah, I, I, I know he tunes in weekly. Um, we've seen Barsha be the best of the rest, quote unquote, at Glen Helen. Uh, yep. Baggett was the best of the rest uh, this past weekend at Hangtown. Yeah. At Hangtown, it was. Uh, was it Pike? No, it's Jason Anderson. Um, so, oh yeah, Anderson. Yeah, they're, right. they're the other guys. I would say is Pike Anderson and Baggett. Okay, so uh, so that, my my question for you, five. yeah, my question for you is who who do you do you like any one of those guys to sort of separate themselves, or, or do you like anybody to to maybe break away and become the man, or what do you think? Or are these guys just all so close? It's huh. I don't think anyone's going to challenge the Rocks and Dungey. Right. I don't think anyone's going to challenge to that extent. Mm-hmm. But I think, honestly, all individually have a reason to be third, you know? Right. And I think it's going to be a case of, you know, track conditions, who who's better in whatever the track conditions are, um, and stuff like that, and with, and with the heat. Because I think all of their speeds are going to be similar, mm-hmm. and it's just going to come down to the odd, you know, thing or two that, that separates them. But in my eyes, thinking about it right now, nothing has shown me that any of them, mm-hmm. obviously Baggett getting a third overall on the podium last weekend, um, but that was, you know, after oh. Thomas went down. Ah, yeah, and I he, don't I know. Mean, Baggett went 7-7 seven, seven at Glen Helen. He rode great, but went 7-7, seven, seven, and then he makes a third the next week. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 100%. I think it's going to be a super... I know. I think that's where the race is going to be is from third to sixth. And I think, you know, there is going to be here or there. We're going to have like half of the race is going to be someone we wouldn't expect potentially leading. Mm-hmm. 
with the uh, filthy Phil Nicoletti. Oh, filthy talk, Phil! You know, <laughs> who's your who, who's your favorite person to interview besides Marvin? Ah, uh, my favorite person. Uh, and, to interview. and Jimmy, Jimmy doesn't count either. No, he's useless. Um, <laughs> I would say. Uh, you know what I really hate, and I'm going to tell these guys that I hate it, and what? I know that it's X, Y, and Z is why they have to do it, but I can't stand the reading off the sponsors thing. I cannot stand it. Yeah. yeah. I cannot stand it. And I understand there are obligations, but mm-hmm. there's a way to do it that isn't that way. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt at all. Oh, and Jeremy has started reading it off a board, and he didn't do that last year, and I'm like, dude, you can't do this. And, no. And really, like, are you, you, Mr. Ryder, are you not smart enough to mesmerize four or five main sponsors and work them in somehow? Like, Oh, you... it's not It's not four or five, though. There is, like, a list of 15 of them, and it's no, I know. down to plastics or whatever, right. which... I don't know. I just, yeah, there's a way to work. Who, what, someone works in, I think Dungey works in them really good. Right. Oh, my Dunlop tires were hooking up real good or whatever right. it is. No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, like, these teams that ride on the pit board, just quit doing that. Tell the riders to know four or five and work them in at some point in the interview. That's it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You know? Just just do um, that. Like, it's it's easy. But, no, my favorite guy to interview, Roxton's always good because he's honest. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he is, yeah. doesn't ever if if he sucks he'll say he sucks which obviously never sucks but right. he'll be honest about what happened and he's not going to try and just blame it on something else or say you know whatever he'll say exactly how it is mm-hmm. and he's he's like he gives a bit of personality when he talks um, also, which also, I like also too like with Roxon like it's it, it, you know he's one of the best riders in the world and I asked him like I've asked him at, interviewed him after the races he like goes into detail about his back injury. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, dude, guys wouldn't do that. A lot of guys wouldn't do that. He's like, yeah, here's what happened. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, here's what I did. Here's what I happened. And, you know, my back is this way, and it could act up any time. Ken's just a great interview. He's just honest. Yeah, he is. And and there's that. that's what motocross lacks right now is the honesty of why, why stuff's happening, whether it be mechanical, whether it be a rider, whether mm-hmm. it be a team issue, is why, do, why is it necessary to keep such big secrets? And again, I understand people have obligations to mm-hmm. why they can't say some things. But if you're hurt and you're going out there riding, you're better off saying you're hurt because then people are just going to think you're a badass. Right. They're not going to question you or, or, you know, oh, yeah. it's a big secret that he tweaked his ankle. Like, yeah. it, it makes you look like a better person for being honest than having to hold so many secrets. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion. Well, I but ha- I know that also there's reasons why, you know, you have to... I had um, I, had, I had an official tell me one time that if a rider thinks he's got a bad ankle and he tells people, then you know the, the, he's racing out there and some rider is going to target that ankle. And I about Go fell over the from, ankle. Yeah. I about fell over laughing though. I couldn't. I'm just like, yeah, okay, sure, right. Yeah, no, I've I've had that many a time before. I mean, obviously, every individual situation is individual, and mm-hmm. I can understand some reasons for it. But when you put everything as a whole, it's just like. Dude, admit, like Ken Rock said, yeah, right. I jacked my back up, and I'm still out here racing. And you're like, fair play to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, quickly, we're wrapping up here on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show, but Marvin and Jeremy, we talked about this on our Monday show. Uh, how, what What's their strength and weaknesses? How are you separating these guys? I, I, I don't know. I don't know which Marvin, guy. <laughs> Marvin, we're going to have to see how his wrist is. 
and see how his mm-hmm. week's been and, mm-hmm. you know, how much he's been on it or off it. And right. His recovery on that because I think he did really battle through that injury and he was surprised at how well he did in that second moto. So I think right. um, his comeback on that, but I think he's strong. I think he's fast. He's confident. He's in a great place. Um, Jeremy, I think the more he wins, the more he's going to win. <laughs> that sounds. <laughs> no, yeah. um, um, but I think it's it's going to be a, a mental game for Jeremy on that front. I think Marvin is almost like a dungy. He's consistent, and I think he's going to do great no matter what. It's almost like the 450 version, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 450 yeah. version. Um, who else's name did you throw in there? No, that's it. Just Jeremy Marvin. Yeah, because... I expect, I mean, I didn't hear your conversation with um, Adam, but I think he's going to have, um, you know, like... Something to say, yeah. Sure. He'll he'll have something to say before it's all over. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. Um, gosh, I want to, like, talk more about it. I'm all excited now. Well, we got to go, so too bad. Oh, hang on, did you see, uh, did you see my new fly racing gear? No. I don't think so. Oh, We're... Georgia rode twice this week in her new fly racing. Oh, I saw, I saw you posing it in the living room on Instagram. I didn't know you actually rode with it, though. Or I didn't know that was actually your stuff or that was Jimmy's stuff or I don't know. Oh, no. No, I legit have, like, fly boots in my size, gear in my oh, size, wow. gloves. Wow. And, and I went riding and uh, on Monday and yesterday, and Jimmy gave me a little lesson, and... Wow. I'm going to try ride. Well, now. I still have that photo of you from Europe when you crashed on the, burnt your leg on the uh, Honda, little Honda. Oh, bike. man. That, yeah, that, that was a bad time. <laughs> That's why I was told I'm not allowed to ride anymore unless I have gear on. And it was right. funny because I was like, put my boots on the first time and I'm like trying to change gear. And I'm like, feels really weird doing it with boots. I'm normally wearing flip-flops. It <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh, God. Yeah, Jesus. This isn't good. Right. But yeah, I think we might, if I can get good enough, Jimmy says uh, we might get a Yamaha 125 for me. So oh. we're going to see how it goes. Wow. Check you out. I mean, I suck. I feel like I'm going so fast, and I feel so badass, but I look like <laughs> the biggest goon ever, but I don't care. Hey, at least you're out there, you know. Um, fun. Yeah. Thanks for Thanks for coming on, Georgia. Appreciate it. Well, no, thanks for having me, and I will see you this weekend. Yeah, sounds good, Georgia. Thank you. All right, then. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, see you. Georgia Lindsay, everybody, on the uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show, presented by NFAB, Adam Cincerillo, Jason Thomas. Good show. Uh, lots of information. Although we didn't talk too much about Muddy Creek. Eh, maybe we did. I don't know. Whatever, bro. Tits, congratulations again on Ryan Dungey. I appreciate it. Thanks to Gump for asking the Kiefer question. And the last question, he wins the Fly Racing Casual Wear Pack. Thanks to all you guys for listening. We will see you next week.